0: Why do you say that, Father? You aren't afraid, are you? No, but I respect some of the superstitions
1: of others. Often they are founded in fact. Hi, and welcome to Sorceress, a podcast where I chat with authors and audiobook narrators about books and especially audiobooks in the urban fantasy category. If you dig wisecracking wizards, conflicted lycanthropes, antagonistic undead and all those other things that go bump in the night and then get bumped back, you're in the right place. So make yourself comfortable, salt the doors in the window sills, and join me, James Anderson Foster, as we get to know the creators of this fascinating genre. So one of the things I love most about urban fantasy as a genre is all of the overlap with uh, contemporary sci-fi, contemporary fantasy, contemporary horror, and even lit RPG. And the person I have with us tonight specializes in lit RPG and game lit, uh, but has done works in horror and sci-fi and urban fantasy. He's been all over the place. Tonight we're talking with Jeff Hayes. He's the owner of the audiobook production company Sound Booth Theater. He's narrated over 100 titles on Audible and is currently specializing, like I said, in the lit RPG and game-lit genre. His greatest strength as a narrator is character voices, which you know if you've heard any of his books. And his company produces books for three other young, talented, and charismatic narrators, Annie Ellicott, Justin Thomas James, and Lori Catherine Winkle. Who I'd love to get on the show sometime, Jeff. How are you tonight, man? Very
0: tired, but in high spirits. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Why are you tired? Because uh, I work too much, man. I work too much. <laughs> that's long and <laughs> short of it. You know, that's a great problem to have. I I suppose so. Um, Beats suppose,
1: the alternative.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I I, I remember, <laughs> I remember working actually not. Quite this hard, but then not getting paid as well. Like it's <laughs> just starting off. <laughs> so I, I think my problems are much better now.
1: Yeah. So speaking of just starting off, um, I mean, I, I, I just read off. Not only uh, are you an accomplished narrator, but uh, I mean, you, you've started sound booth theater. Um, how did you? How did you start out? How did you go from just getting into the business
0: to here? What was you know? What's your origin story? Um, well, I I would say, um, it all started with me not wanting a real job. Uh, I, I got laid off from a job that I, I don't know, it's not really, not really worth getting into exactly what I was doing is just kind of like basic, you know, maintenance stuff, like daily stuff, wet work for the government. (laughs) Oh, I mean, I might as well have been, um, (laughs) Uh, and I, I got laid off. So, uh, then I, I mean, I had some savings and I've always been a musician. Um, so I had a, a bunch of gear and I had a computer and so I've, I, I had been looking for, for ways to make money. Um, I did a lot of video editing for a while. Like I used to, I actually used to, uh, film MMA fights in like these really independent low budget MMA fights and like edit them together and for this organization and I was like trying to make that into a thing it didn't work out I used to I used to edit video for bands um I made like I mean I would go all out I would be super creative and make these beautiful videos and musicians don't have money to pay anybody you know like especially (laughs) people just playing at bars and stuff so uh, you know that didn't that didn't pan out. But then I found Voices.com, and so um, when I started there, I was doing like you know web commercials, uh, uh, you know voiceovers for art installments, stuff like that. Um, but while I was at Voices.com, the majority of my time was spent auditioning. I did about I don't know 200 auditions per week. So I mean I was. <laughs> I was probably working, you know, sixty, seventy hours per week, and uh, you know, I made like twelve thousand dollars my first year of mm-hmm. doing voiceover. So that uh, that's a lot of work for just that little amount of money. But when I found my first audiobook job that actually paid pretty well through Voices.com, I figured out that's exactly what I what I wanted to be doing in voiceover. Um, because really when I was doing all my auditioning and I think probably why, uh, I was doing so much auditioning and only landing very few stuff, very few, very few jobs is because I wasn't doing what I was advised to do, which was find out what your voice is good for and audition for those jobs. Right. Well, what I did was I auditioned for everything not to, like it didn't matter <laughs> if my voice wasn't geared for it I'd be like okay well what does my voice need to sound like to land this job and of course I wouldn't land any of those jobs I only landed the jobs where my voice was good for it naturally right but uh it it trained me to just go for it anyway right it trained me it trained me to make my to to explore my instrument really and um when I got to do an audiobook job, well, that meant I got to explore my instrument. I got to reach as far as I could and and emulate the characters as closely as I possibly could, and it all made it into the product. It didn't all just get thrown away in the auditioning process, um, and that made me feel really good. Uh, I liked having that kind of tro- control. I liked being the the you know the director and the entire cast. It was it's just fun being able to construct a whole world by myself you know out of out of a script and um so i found it very satisfying and then from there i heard about acx uh, i even though i kept getting per finished hour work through voices.com i was also auditioning for royalty share stuff on acx mm-hmm. and um and then i found the stipends uh, which isn't a thing anymore for for acx but it used to be that acx had these uh, magical gnomes that would <laughs> that, that would determine whether or not uh, a book w- was going to be profitable if it was made into an audiobook and, and sold through audible. Um, these nobes, these gnomes apparently weren't very good at their jobs because I did get a lot of stipend work that the royalties never panned out because they didn't sell worth a damn. But I was at least still able to continue doing royalty share work by getting that $100 per finished hour that ACX was paying on top of the royalties. That's what mm-hmm. the stipend was. So, um, so I just kept getting those. And eventually, um, I landed Balance by M.R. Forbes, which is the first book of the Divine Series. M.R. Um, mm-hmm. Forbes is a fantastic author. And uh, ba- the Divine Series is, a, is an urban fantasy. And it's first first person and it had an extremely diverse cast of characters. Like, uh, it it was basically, you know, the, the main character Landon Hamilton, um, he dies in the first chapter of the book and he finds out that he's a crossbreed, like a crossbreed between a demon and an angel. And his job was to maintain balance in the universe by preventing both God and Satan from winning the, the, the war for existence, basically. Um so no pressure, no pressure, yeah, <laughs> uh, so that was his job, and so he would end up he ended up like absorbing the souls of certain angels and demons, and they would be like kind of in his mind and talking to him and so i I got to do all these interesting characters um that were just completely different from each other, and I uh, attempt to make them sound convincing mm-hmm. and um f- that was the first series that i did that was actually financially successful like it actually sold well and from then on i was just like okay let's stick to these stipends um and eventually when the stipends dried out i had accumulated enough titles that made some money to where i could continue uh, pursuing royalty share from then on out by um witness by by doing a little more research in the kindle market Doing a little more research on the titles that were coming out, looking at their Kindle rankings, determining whether or not they were a good fit, you know, a, 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 a good risk for me and, um, you know, relying on the quality of my work to, to convince authors to work with me, royalty share. I cause that's one hard thing to do is to convince an author, um, to share royalties with you when they're already, when their book is already successful. Sure sure you really have you really have to bring your a game with everything that you do in order like the, the quality of my product is really what sells them on on this stuff and but it also comes with a responsibility uh you can't just make a good product now you have to be you have to uh, engage with the audience you have to um you have to be there for the author and and help them with with things uh you have to act like a producer. And not mm-hmm. just a narrator, and and so that's what I that's what I've discovered through throughout my career, and what led me to starting Sound Booth Theater. So
1: I I really want to do a deep dive into Sound Booth Theater and what you're doing with, doing with that. Um, um, but before I go there, because I feel like that's that's going to take up uh, a big chunk of the conversation, I'm kind of curious. Um, so you you really it sounds like your career took off with urban fantasy and I mean, you, you've been all over kind of the contemporary sci-fi, contemporary fantasy, uh, even horror um, genres, uh, you know, lit RPG is, is this, is this something that, uh, you know, you're a huge fan of, is this a passion of yours or was it a matter of, well, I, I kind of stumbled across this and I seem to be good at it. So I guess I'll just keep doing it. How, you know, what's, what's the balance there?
0: I think I, I, that's really hard to say. I mean, I do like it. I -hmm. do like fantasy and, and sci-fi to a certain extent, but you know, the thing, the, the fiction that really touches me is the stuff that's more human, you know, that asks more human questions that's closer to reality. Like I, I think You know, the classics that I read in high school all all touch me in a more uh, profound way than than any of the fantasy than most of the fantasy that I've been doing. I mean, some sometimes I'll be surprised by, you know, how interesting and and deep uh, some of these stories can get. But. For me, fantasy and sci fi is just more fun than anything, Mm -hmm. and that's fine, you know, like I, I. it, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, that doesn't make it less of less art, less, a lesser art. It's just not as much what I'm into. I'm more, I'm more of like a, uh, philosophical type of person. And like, I, I'm more interested in the human condition than, you know, action and special effects, but I'm really good at action and special effects when it comes (laughs) when it comes to audiobooks you know i'm really good at 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 the crazy characters that you get to chew the scenery with and uh and monsters and um uh, comedy like i i'm i'm really good at breathing life into extreme characters even though to me it's not as challenging as say working on like some kind of uh some kind of drama you know where the where the importance of the interactions is are 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 the, are the nuance of the characters that are involved in the scene you know so mm-hmm. so do, do you ever try to take
1: um this interest of yours in the um you know in, in the human animal uh, as it were and infuse that into your more fantastical performances like use use these fantastical creatures or situations to Um, it may be explore ideas and emotions about humanity, uh, as part of your performance.
0: Absolutely. Um, if, if it's in the text, Mm -hmm. right. I mean, more often than not, it's not in the text. Um, more often than not, it's plot driven, um, and action driven. And, uh, you know, the characters are more cartoony, um, and more about entertainment, right? So. If I find an opportunity, um, that's gold, right? Especially, like, I would say M.R. Forbes um, is an example of uh, an author who consistently had fantastical, giant, you know, ridiculous beasts and monsters and and stuff that all had very relatable souls. You know, like everyone in his, everyone in his stories are very deep and unique characters and, um, their interactions and motivations, um, were always, uh, a challenge to, mm-hmm. to, um, to portray. So yeah, def- definitely there's, there's certain authors who will put that into their work and perhaps that's the best, the best marriage of genres possible, you know, like taking, take, like actually infusing, these these genres that are geared more towards entertainment, with the more human aspects, you know that that means they're reaching an even wider audience. And, and well, oddly enough, oddly enough, they're not though. <laughs> like <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, weird. it's like the the deeper stuff, even in, in the urban fantasy, even when there's lots of action and even when it is entertaining, somehow the stuff that's more meaningful tends not to do as well. And I don't know why that is. I think it, it takes
1: a skillful author, I think, to, to balance that out. You know, I, I've, I've uh, spoken with a number of authors so far in the podcast and they've all talked about, you know, that, that balance of, you know, exploring the human condition through these non-human or, or supernatural, uh, means, but, you know, like you said, there's, there's still kind of the, the, the action and special effects. I want to sit back and eat my popcorn and, and enjoy this kind of uh, aspect to it. So there's, there's gotta be a real balance there. Um, now, speaking of action and sound effects, I, I want to, uh, I want to go back a few years and, and tell briefly uh, a little anecdote uh, about you, if you don't mind, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Yes. <laughs> so um, our mutual friend and narrator, Jeff Kafer, um mm-hmm. uh, we 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 run into him at a bar uh during APAC uh this I think this was in Chicago was that the one yes, were you at Chicago a yeah yeah so APAC is uh the audio publisher association's convention it's annual and uh audiobook publishers obviously and narrators uh go spend the week um there's workshops there's networking and a lot of the time afterwards is you know narrators coming together and socialize because frankly a huge part of our job is just sitting all by ourselves in a box talking um and jeff was commenting on your character work specifically the women characters that you narrate and i first off i was going to say if you haven't heard jeff's work jeff hayes um but that that i almost hesitate to say that because How could you not have if you're interested in this genre? If you're interested in the genre and you haven't listened to his work, I don't know what the hell you're doing. Get off the couch, download the book, start listening. Um, But uh, our good friend Jeff Kafer absolutely refused to believe that you were not digitally manipulating your voice for some of these female characters that you were doing because they were so good. It literally sounded like a, like a dual narration. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, you put him right in his place by doing a character voice for him right then and there. Do you re- do you remember this? I do remember. This. Oh my God. That was awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of a weird, skill uh, by, by the way, I, I love you, Jeffrey Kaver. So, <laughs> you <know. laughs> it's sort of, it's sort of this weird skill that I'm both, uh, embarrassed about and proud of at the same time because it, <laughs> took, it took me a lot of work it's it's it it took it, it's not like i just jumped onto the scene with this rubber voice that i was able to do whatever i want with it took lots and lots of embarrassing um painful work to to get good at this stuff and you know to to be perfectly honest i thought for the longest time that's what you're supposed to do <laughs> you know, so, so, so I just did it and, uh, I just kept going and I, and, you know, my female voices weren't, they, they, they were probably as crappy as anybody else's when I first started. And, um, but I just, I just kept listening to myself and, and, and critiquing myself and comparing my voice to other, to female voices and, tr- really pinpointing what it was about the female voice that was truly different from the male voice. And really, the secret is it's not that much different. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's about posture more than anything. It's about how they speak and not how they sound. So, um, I mean, yeah, there, there, there needs to be some tightening within your, you know, your t- instrument does need to tighten up a little bit. Uh, it it is more painful for me to narrate straight through a book as a female, for sure. Uh, I mean, I actually did that. Um, speaking of, well, I don't know if I would classify this as urban fantasy. Probably, it's a cozy mystery, um, urban fantasy, uh, witch for hire, which mm-hmm. actually uh, is part of the Witch's Path series by N. E. Connolly. Uh, oh, that's a great a, series. Yeah, we have a three box set or three books box set of the first three that i did and the it was one of those stipends that was up you know so i auditioned for it but she was saying hey we need a male and we need a female right Mm -hmm. so i auditioned for it but just for shits you know i did both and she emailed me back saying, we don't need in anybody else. We just, you <laughs> I was like, wait, no, I mean, I was just kidding. No, we don't, we don't need, do. she's like, no, I, there was no one else who auditioned that did Michelle quite like you did. So I was like, oh, what have I done?
1: <laughs> well, uh, you know what, I mean, one of the biggest things male narrators uh, get critiqued on is their female voices. Right? Mm-hmm. They, they don't make them feminine enough, or they make them too feminine, and it's a caricature. Uh, right. and, and so, I mean, having this skill to do a believable female voice, uh, I, mean, I think that's huge. That's
0: awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> it's, it, it, it was to a point, even back when I did Witch for Hire, that w- when I submitted that first book to ACX to have it published, they rejected it and they said, um, you didn't credit the female. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's like, uh, I didn't, I didn't need to, man. It's just me. And they're like, Oh, and it went on through. So, um, not now, uh, now I don't have to do so many female voices. I, I still do solo. I still do solo audiobooks, but I've gotten to a point where I'm not doing that so much. Um, I have, uh, Annie Ellicott and Lori Catherine Winkle, both working for Sound Booth Theater,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so uh, I will often have them. Uh, I will often have them do the female voices now. Um, they definitely like now. I wouldn't have hired them if I thought that my female voice was better than theirs. So they're very, <laughs> they're very good. Uh, they're they're very good at what they do. Um, especially Annie. Annie is like this phenomenon i can't i kind of can't believe that i was able to discover her um but they're they're i'm i'm trying to my entire crew i'm trying to help instill my philosophy behind voice acting which is to be a chameleon and to be as versatile as possible and to um make characters believable mm-hmm. so that's that's kind of what is going on with my company,
1: you know? Um, Yeah. So, so talk about this, where did sound booth theater, uh, come from, uh, you know, ideal wise, what did it start out as and, and how did it become what it is now? Which, I mean, it's, it's really taking off and, and this is relatively unique among narrators to start, you know, a, a production company. Um, give us the story, man, what's going on with this?
0: So First of all, the name for Sound Booth Theater came from my YouTube show, Sound Booth Theater Live. Uh, so that came, the YouTube show came first? Yeah, the YouTube show came maybe a little more than a year before I started the company. Um, and the YouTube show I just started doing on Periscope. I was just brainstorming, trying to figure out a way to market myself and to market the titles that i was producing because again like m- most narrators don't have an incentive to narrate to market the audiobooks that they do right mm-hmm. they show up they they do the job they get the check they go on to the next job right it's a lot less mental stress that way um i totally understand why people do it that way but if if you want to go after the royalties, then you got to put in the extra work and um, you got to figure out ways to get things out there to people and get people excited about about your new releases and stuff. So, uh, I mean, I like I like not having a ceiling to how much I can get paid for a job. Sure. And I also don't like making money off of something that doesn't make money. You know, I like it. it if someone pays me $250 per finished hour, I mean, that, that's my, that was my rate a long time ago, but you know, someone paying me $250 per finished hour, then they release it on audible and they don't make a dime off of it. I feel like I did something wrong, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I want to have, I want to be in there. I want to be at risk just as much as the. You want, you want to have skin in the game. I want to have skin in the game. So, so that means, you know, I, I have, I had to, I was just thinking of new ways to do things. And so I just decided, you know what, what will happen if I like take a few of the fun chapters or fun scenes in an, in an audiobook and just narrate them live for people to watch me do it, you know, because people, uh, even at that time, people were asking me, what the hell, how are you doing all these different voices <laughs> or, or yeah, right, dude, you're doing this with effects like Jeffrey Kafer, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, well, maybe it'll be fun to prove it. (laughs) And, and so that's what I started doing. And uh, it just started building momentum from there. And I, you know, I moved from Periscope to Twitch and from Twitch to YouTube. Um, And then I started having the author come on the show with me and like direct me in real time. Um, You know, just, just to have more fun in the process. Right. Like, so I could pinpoint the the characters more more to their liking in front of an audience you know and that cause that helps hype up the book and so sound booth theater live is where i got got the name and another part of my philosophy like i said is wanting to have skin in the game and i think that that's that's the new attitude that maybe we all need to be having in order to make a better career for ourselves as audiobook narrators in particular, um, the thing about audiobook narration is that the people that have, I, th- I think, the people that have the most versatility, the most talent in the voiceover world, they go and do video games and animation and stuff because it's so much better pay for how much actual work you're doing, right? Um, so that's why they don't really hang out in the audiobook world, and that's why there's not so many voice actors that are doing that are cr- producing audiobooks that have that full audio drama feel with just one person. Mm-hmm. And so we need it, we have an opportunity with 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 ACX to make that for ourselves if we put in the work and become versatile. Um. So that's what I want sound booth theater to be is sort of an ec- like an extra, an extra stair step, a gateway for young up and coming narrators to um, put to have more skin in the game with less risk. Mm-hmm. So my narrators have the option to either take the work per finished hour or to take royalty share. The difference between going to royalty share on ACX and going to me is that I'm picking authors and books that look like, to me, a good investment. So I pay for all the production and they do the narration. I put my voice on it. You know, I, 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 I put character voices in, you know, any characters they don't feel like they can handle. I also hire Another voice actor, like, say, for instance, if Justin Thomas James is narrating, I will hire usually Lori Catherine Winkle to do the female voices in the book just to make sure that it feels that much, you know, that the product is just that much better. But still, Justin Thomas James and I are splitting the split that we get from ACX. Okay. So he still has that unlimited ceiling. He still has incentive to promote. Um. And I take the risk financially. So that's, and I use my brand and my name and my reputation to help that book uh, succeed, right? So yes, they still have some risk because they're putting the effort in, they're putting the work in, but they don't have to do um, the production work. And actually, Justin Thomas James he does the production work, but I pay him for it, okay. I pay him per finished hour, like as if, you know, you would pay anybody who's doing, you know, mastering work for you so,
1: so when an author when an author comes to you, then they know that they're getting a, a full production team, a professional production, uh, a a promotion team that's invested in promoting that book and making sure that, it not only sounds as, as good as it can, but sells as good as it can. Yep. And also a built in fan base because Sound Booth Theater and Sound Booth Theater Live already has like a built in audience of dedicated listeners. I mean, this, yes. this kind of sounds like a no brainer for an author wanting to, to bring their book into
0: the audio realm. It depends. Um, there's some authors out there that sell so many books. Right. And they can hire someone like Nick Podell, for instance, who, you know, he's got a really high per finished hour rate, but it's still cheaper than, you know, royalty splitting with me. Um, Now, I don't I'm not trying to throw shade at Nick or anything, but (laughs) like he doesn't have as sophisticated a production process, you know, like he he doesn't put as much work in and rightfully so because he, his business model is per finished hour. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I, why, why would anyone put in more work than they're calculating is it's worth it when they have this flat rate that they're getting paid. Right. Why would, why would Nick Podell do any promotion? What's the point for him? He,
1: he's already paid
0: and he doesn't get
1: more though. Yeah.
0: So, so there is, there's still that, there's still that um i don't know what to call it like a that ramp you know like like nick podell is i mean the, he's got a he's got a huge name he's a great narrator so they're definitely getting their money's worth by paying him um but it is it is a a, a smaller investment for them and it, like when when you're selling like 20,000 copies of an audiobook splitting royalties that's that's, that's a, a lot, lot of money, money. yeah a lot of money so um so you really really let the author not only has to um has to want the services that i'm offering but also has to really really care about the audio because like i said it's more of a full cast performance feel nick podell even though he's got good character voices in my opinion doesn't quite hit that full cast performance feel mm-hmm. speaking um, of full cast performance uh, you got, you, you, have got a new thing coming up here. Uh, talk about monster
1: hunt, monster hunt, NYC.
0: Right. Okay. So Harmon Cooper is the author of monster hunt, NYC and Harmon Cooper is currently my favorite client. Um, because his, uh, now he's, he started, I started working with him in with his lit RPG titles. Um, but he's branched into superhero, uh, stuff as well. Mm-hmm. um but why i like harman so much is because he's very clever um wordcraft is like my favorite thing about novels um you know like just playing with language having fun with it um finding new ways to uh express ideas um and coming up with with social commentary and stuff he's out of all the lit RPG authors that I work with. He does more of that than any of them. Not only that, but his characters are crazy. Um, they're, they're so, they're so unique and deep and, uh, interesting and entertaining. So I just have the most fun out of any of my authors working with him and uh, him and I have a lot in common because we're both musicians. And so after we'd been working together for long enough, I mean, we had done maybe nine books. Um, by the time he brought this idea up to me last December, he said, "Hey, why don't we do a musical audiobook? I have this idea <coughs> about it's going to be a it's going to be a lit RPG, but it's going to be based around Pokemon Go kind of, right? Like augmented okay. reality instead of virtual reality." Um, where, you know, the, the application like, and this is the super distant future. So everyone's, you know, what, what everyone conceives of that they would do with a cell phone, it's just built into their brains. Right. And they just, they can just do Google searches by thinking about it and, you know, things pop up in front of them as if, as if it was real, but it's, you know, digital. Right. Mm -hmm. So imagine Pokemon go in those circumstances where you would actually see a creature in front of you, in you know, implanted into the world virtually, uh, and you capture them, and then you you build armies with them, and then fight fight other players with the with these monsters. Okay, let's go a step further. Now the app is illegal because it causes PTSD because everyone thinks it actually is real. It's too real, so people can actually make money off of it people can actually make money by capturing these monsters and getting into these tournaments because it's all underground. And then let's, let's, let's add a musical element. So these two (laughs) main characters, these two main characters are living in New York. And the first thing that happens basically in in the book, well, before the book even starts is they're they're in, they're in this band together. Um, Chase and Iris are in a band together and they have one other band member who goes crazy on drugs and destroys all their gear and so chase and Irish Iris are looking for a way to make money so that they can get their gear back uh, or get new gear and so they decide to try out this monster this monster hunt app and um, they find out that they can use music to lure monsters and capture them, but since the app Is illegal, they kind of have to pretend that that's not what they're doing. They kind of have to pretend they're just busking (laughs) (laughs) and they're still capturing these monsters. And, you know, like getting these monsters lets them into these tournaments that are actually in a virtual world. And it's just incredibly meta. And what's really unique about it as an audiobook and as a story. Um, and as an audiobook production is that Harmon actually based those two characters off of me and Annie Ellicott. Um, the, like the the look, the sort of the attitude, um, you know, I, I he he got input from me as to, you know, like like the the actual main character is a bass player like me. Um Annie is is a, is a jazz singer. And so, you know, Iris is like this incredible singer and composer. Um, and it's kind of like this love story between these two and it's in, and it's just set in New York and, and he wanted me to write the music for it and put it into an actual audio drama format. So that's what I'm doing right now. Wow. We've already produced all the music for the first book in the series and I'm putting this audio drama together and it's terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) I am just, I'm so nervous because I love this project so much and I feel like, um, If it wasn't for annie this wouldn't have happened because it 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 was like annie started working with me last year in october sound like actual sound booth theater's first production is the last warrior of unigaya which is another harman cooper book and the way i got annie into voice acting was you know i'd been watching her sing for 10 years Uh, she's from tulsa but whenever she comes to kansas city I go to, I go to watch her sing because she's, she's amazing. And one day I decide, I I decided to ask her if she'd be interested in doing voice acting because she was playing with this band called snuff jazz. Okay. (laughs) And, and they, they, they're completely free. Like they're just, they're just like this crazy group. Um, and they just, they, they just pick, some crazy sound to riff on and then they just let music emerge from there and annie's just so incredibly good at finding the weirdest sounds that work perfectly and um she just play. she's like me when she's in the booth she plays she's she's having fun she's experimenting and and it, it's it all comes off very naturally mm-hmm. and so when i actually brought her in to audition for a character um Harmon uh just immediately was like, Yes, this is this is great. And that's that's how that's how her relationship with us started. And ever since then, you know, it's just been like exponential. You know, she's she's been spending more time here. She's now done three audiobooks with us, like as a narrator. And like Gunmeister Online was her first her first full audiobook. And it's incredible how good it is for being a first audiobook. book. Um, so, yeah, it's it, the, the fact that she's been around and a musical inspiration. I mean, I've been neglecting music for the past six or six years or so just because I've been so heavily focused on narration. And it's like my soul has been reinvigorated because I have this I'm, I'm working with this amazing musician who's really like she's like a hero of mine, you know, and. Mm-hmm. I'm able to bring her into this world where I'm a master and teach her and help her and uh, help her in this industry. And it's reawakened this love for music in me again. And this project has helped me, has, has done that as well. I mean, she set up, she set up the, the, uh, our relationship with the producer that, that we were working with. I mean, she composed some of the music too. Um, it's just been a really, Really organic ride, a uh, really organic process, and and just very natural and still, still I'm terrified. <laughs>
1: still, I'm terrified. <laughs> so so do you see more musicals as an audiobook in either in your future or in the industry in general? Do you think this will be a thing?
0: You know, I don't, I don't know about, I kind of. When I look at the industry, what I think about is what's not happening, um, because that's how you find that's how you find opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't. I, I don't follow what everyone else is doing. I, I find out what's missing and try and fill that gap in. Um, so I've already like Goblin King just released on Monday, and congratulations thank you um and if if it weren't for the for doing for working on monster hunt i probably wouldn't have done it but there's there's actually a song that the right that the author put in to the book and i was like okay i'm just gonna pull out my guitar and play it and sing it and and so it's in it's in there and the author went nuts he's like this is amazing you hit it right on the head because what's what's really cool is i got i get to sing in character as well like i'm I was playing like this gypsy Irish, old Irish guy and singing as if I were, you know, an old gypsy Irish guy. And, um, I don't know, it just, it just felt so natural. And, uh, and, and I think that music, you know, that that's, that's what I base all my quality off of when, it, when I listen to an audiobook, I'm, I'm wondering, I, I'm, I'm always wondering, why am I listening to this? Mm-hmm and so if i'm not wondering that then it's a good audiobook right music is the same way like i i have to i have to connect immediately with the sound itself you know it has to feel natural to me and and that's my philosophy behind my own audiobook production it's like i want to produce audiobooks that i would listen to and that requires, because it's fiction, that requires more passion. It requires getting into the production more, and 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 really caring about each sound um, more specifically. Yeah. And I think music, you know, it, it it's like it, it just feels like it's a very natural marriage in this in this uh, medium that probably doesn't get explored because it's expensive to make. Sure. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's high production value to add music. It's so, it takes so much longer to produce a minute of music than to produce a minute of audiobooks.
1: Right. You know, and I, I was thinking as you were talking about this, that uh, you know, there are a number of things that, you know, an audiobook publishing house just won't do, right? There There are risks that they won't take because they know what's going to work. Um, so they're, they're obviously they're, they're just going to do that. But, you know new things happen when you take risks, and it's it's funny the um I mean, lit rpg gamer lit there it's this interesting blend uh, you know, it's not straight storytelling you you've got so many different aspects of of playing games you know you've got gamer stats, you've got it, it's 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 become this this fascinating hybrid genre which almost sounds like where you're taking your audiobook production, you know, this, this hybrid of what are, what are these different mediums? Um, and how can they enhance each other? How can I bring them together to make something new? That's going to be the next thing that people are going to want to listen to.
0: I, th- I think that's right. And I think that's maybe why I fell into it so easily. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just like, if you look at video games themselves, it's like, it's like a marriage of all different mediums possible
1: right there's Plus, acting like, there's music there's the you know the the gaming aspect
0: the the yeah I mean game design right mm-hmm. mechanics art like like puppeteering um right <laughs> like uh graphic design like the some some of these video games out there like yeah their art design is uninspired and kind of copy paste and some of it is incredible like how did you guys come up with all of this stuff that's just so meticulous and unique and you know video games are yeah they are this perfect blend of all the things that that have been developing in our culture Mm -hmm. and um so of course there's going to be stories that start emerging about video games um I I've always, from the youngest age, from as you you know, from as long as I can remember, video games have been around. Uh, Like when I was the my earliest memories of video games were like playing the Atari, you know, and the what is it called? The uh, there's another one that's like gray, and the remote it had a remote with a twisty cable that was attached to it, and (laughs) (laughs) then. I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> it was it was like a direct competitor to the Atari. Mm-hmm. but I, I remember those super old ones, you know that it, it's always been there, and just how much they've developed ever since then. Sure. Um, and and I think litRPG is all about how much will it develop between now and twenty years, thirty yeah. years from now, you know, like how deep are we going to get into video games and how meta will our lives become? When we can continuously find more real ways to simulate the world, absolutely. I mean, you know, we we have books about books, we have movies
1: about movies, and like you've said, video games have been a part of our culture for so long that yeah, uh, you know, I'm I'm almost surprised you don't see more video game aspects in more parts of our popular culture. You know, obviously there's Ready Player One, uh, right. But it stands out, I think, because it's almost a rare example, you know, you, and I'm, I'm surprised you don't see more video game based movies. Uh, maybe, I don't know. I don't know why you don't, but it does surprise me because they are such a, uh, a large component of our cultural awareness. Um, and, and yeah, the, the, the entire lit RP genre is absolutely no surprise to me. In both, you know, just regular book and and audiobook format, and and I'm, I'm certain it's going to do nothing but continue to grow, uh, which leads me to, um, I'm wondering, do you see yourself moving more into that um, production role, you know, more into the the producer, the 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 CEO, uh, or is it important to you uh, to to keep at least one foot in that, uh, in the performance side of, of things.
0: Yeah. I, I think inevitably the producer role is going to become more and more prominent in my life, but I do need to have at least one foot in the performer, um, in the performer's realm, because at heart, that's what I am. You know, like I, this whole producer stuff, I just kind of, you know, (laughs) I don't know, man. (laughs) I just, I just started doing it because I wanted, I I wanted, I wanted more than the per finished hour check. You know, I'm, I, like when you work in the indie world and you see these authors making out like gangbusters, you know, like just tons and like seven figure a year authors, you know, um, from selling their books. Uh, and then you get a, you know, two or $3,000 check for doing the audiobook that they make, you know, another five figure number off of in a year. It's like, okay, why, <laughs> why, why am I leaving all this money, you know, on the table? So it's, it like the producer thing has been kind of, has was sort of a necessity thing when it first started out. But then once the money started rolling in, it, 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 opened my eyes and it, it made me realize this is what I need to do to become an independent artist mm-hmm. and to to be able to fund creating the art that I want to create I even now most of my existence is creating is is interpreting someone else's art and creating a product out of it that yes I've you know yes I love doing it but it isn't it, isn't, it doesn't originate from me. I'm, right. a, I'm a responsive artist in so, my business. Speaking
1: of creating that space where you can make more of the art that, that you want to see, uh, we had uh, Paul Stokes, the audiobook reviewer, uh, on uh, a couple nights ago, and he mentioned his involvement with the
0: Here Now Festival, and you're involved in that too, right? That's correct. Um, I'm on the board of directors, for the Here Now Festival, um, I think I'm the only person in Kansas City who actually is. Uh, everybody, everyone who's st- like who started the the festival, all the important people that they fly in, uh, I, they're they're all either they're they're all from one of the coasts, you know, and uh, they come here to to my hometown. I've lived, I've I'm born and raised in Kansas City, um, so they come here and they have this festival and. It's the only thing like it that happens here in town. It's the only thing. It's it's kind of amazing to me that it happens at all here, and so I do whatever I can to help them make that into in, in, into something successful. Um, so, uh, so basically, I I've, I've been you know trying to give a little bit of advice, you know, of things that we can do, like over the past three years while I've been on the board. Um, you know, talk a little bit about the locality and, you know, how to draw other people in that are locals. And it's growing, it's growing slowly, but steadily. Um, And now that Sound Booth Theater has gotten to the size it has, you know, I'll be able to involve myself even more and involve the, the, my team even more. Next year, I plan to fly all the narrators out that are on my team And we're going to be doing live performances, um, for, for, for the show. I mean, the here now festival, my favorite thing about it is when they have, you know, really, really good narrators come out on stage and perform live. And they even, they even have somebody write a full show called, um, uh, what is it? No. How did I forget this name? (laughs) That's part of the show. Uh, Audio tonight I think it is yeah audio tonight and it's 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 a show it's like a one and a half hour show that's completely uh it's it's a combination of a few different producers and scripts that come in you know to do their bits and then all the filler material in between is written by one guy um and it's very well organized it's and it's a stage show but everyone's got their scripts in front of them it's almost like it's like a It's like a blend between an orchestra and, and theater. Nice. Where, where the voice performers, they don't have to memorize their lines. They can come and especially if you're a cold reader, man, one rehearsal and you're, you're going to be solid, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So all these great, you know, veteran voice actors come together and they perform live and you, get to, and you get to see the Foley happen. You know, we, we have musicians often playing um, during some of the parts. Uh, and and you, you get to see their faces. That's my favorite thing. It's so weird. It's my favorite thing to, to watch uh, voice actors' faces when they're performing. Because you, people don't realize how much our bodies um, come into play right. with our voices. Right um how 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 much making gestures enhances the performance even if you can't see the gestures like you you would be able to tell one from the other if someone were to deliver the same line with their arms behind their back than if they have their arms out in front of them and and moving around oh
1: absolutely um, so I you know, I, before we wrap up or we're coming up, coming up on the the end of our time here, I want to make sure and and get to some questions uh, that I'm asking everybody. Um first one up, and I think I know the answer to
0: this. Were you a weird kid? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> of course I was a weird kid. I was a well-behaved weird kid. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I was weird. I mean, um I was, a. Uh, I was always, uh, I mean, I, I always did well in school, but didn't like it at, at the same time. You know, I always, uh, was into stupid. I was into D and D, you know, I was into video games and stuff when other kids were playing outside. And, um, I was very, very, very into my imagination. Mm-hmm.
1: Are, you, are you still weird now?
0: Um, probably more weird. Yeah, it just gets worse. (laughs) Yeah, but now you're turning that weirdness into an empire. Yeah, well, cool. I'm glad I was able to (laughs) harness that weirdness.
1: That's awesome. Um, Speaking of supernatural, paranormal, uh, do you believe in ghosts in the supernatural, or uh, is it just uh, an escapist fantasy for you?
0: Man, um, I don't believe in ghosts. Like, I don't, I'm not like, you know what? Ghosts exist. Okay. (laughs) But I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like be in denial about it. If something obvious happened, you know, it's, I'm agnostic when it comes to ghosts. Okay. All right. I guess.
1: Fair enough. And, And finally, big, important question. What's your favorite curse word?
0: Okay. I don't know if this counts. But Harmon Cooper um, has a character um, in his series Fantasy Online. His name is Hiccup the Goblin. And in this fantasy world, in this video game fantasy world, uh, there is a player that was sick of goblins who said fuck all the time. Like, mm-hmm. that was one of, that was like, they just overused the word. All goblins overused the word. So she cast this spell on the world that prevented all goblins from saying fuck. Well, so they just started saying fic instead. And, <laughs> and so that's like my new favorite curse word. I just say fic all the time.
1: Uh, yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Um, thank you so much, Jeff, uh, for taking the time out to talk to me tonight. I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, I'm going to make sure and put links in the show notes to uh, both your website, Sound Booth Theater, uh, for listeners and authors that might be interested in uh, both seeing what you're producing and maybe getting work produced by you. I'm um, going to put a link to Sound Booth Theater Live, your YouTube channel, so folks can actually uh, check out the videos and watch you and your narrators doing your stuff live. And I also want to put a link in uh, to the Here Now Festival uh, because this sounds fantastic and uh, I want people to be able to,
0: uh, you know, go check it out if they're interested. I think they should. That'd be wonderful. Thanks so much, James. And uh, one more thing sure. I want to I mention is uh, speaking of gamers, speaking, speaking of new gamer culture um, and social media, uh, I've just recently, in the past two weeks, started a Discord server. Now, there's probably a lot of gamers out there who would know what it is, but it's relatively new to most people. Um, but I have found that it is my favorite social media platform, and it's because it's so much more intimate mm-hmm. than Facebook or Twitter or anything like that. I mean, it's it's basically chat rooms where you can... You can control your environment like I I can control the environment to where we can all talk to each other through voice or through video or however we want to Um, but one thing I've been using it for that has been really popular is I've been narrating live through it so I've started like a, a voice channel and I restrict everyone else's speech and only I can speak through it but I can read their text and I just turn it on when I when I start recording my audiobooks and people can come in and bullshit with me. You know, if I don't want to be distracted, I just don't watch what they're saying, but they can hear what they can hear what I'm doing. They can get spoilers. They can hear me, c- you know, cuss and get pissed off when I, when I <laughs> don't get things right. That they could, can that hear could my be dangerous. Thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Um but that's what's exciting about it. And uh so not only do I do that, but you know, other people in my crew and I've invited any narrators who want to join. To come do the same thing on my server so there's a there's actually a guest narrator uh voice chat and as long as long as people as long as you you guys can any narrators who come in who want to do this uh as long as you organize with each other what times the the room is open it's totally available i i like the idea of having this open platform for narrators to to hang out with listeners and get get people pumped i mean the last the last audiobook that i did um with this with this format it was the third book in a series and when i did this the first two books jumped to the top of my sales list nice. so there's there's something there's something here i mean people People like to watch us work. People like to listen to us work. They're interested in what we do. So, uh, you know, I do what I can to harness that.
1: That sounds awesome. I'll, I'll put a link to the disc, uh, Discord server as well. Thanks, James. Ah, no problem. My pleasure. Um, thank you again. This has been fantastic. And uh, man, I hope you come on back, especially after uh, Monster Hunter NYC comes out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And before we wrap up, I want to give a great big shout-out to our supporters and patrons, Dogen Foster, Audio After Dark, a fantastic video podcast by Paul Stokes, C. Stephen Manley, and Zachary McElroy. Thank you all so much. We couldn't do this without your help and support. And if you'd like to help and support and get your name mentioned at the end of a podcast episode like this, Head on over to patreon.com forward slash sorceress and sign up at the wisecracking wizarding level or higher per month, and you'll hear your name here. Thanks. And that's it for this time. Thanks for dropping by. We really hope you enjoyed it and will come back and see us again. You can find Sorceress on iTunes, Stitcher, and our website, Sorceress. That's S-O-R-C-E-R-O dot U-S. And you can find me at jamesnarrates.com, where you'll find a list of audiobooks, demos, and all the usual stuff. If you're enjoying Sorceress, please leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher, and if you're really enjoying it, it'd be mighty kind of you to drop a buck or two in the kitty. You can make a per-episode donation by signing up at patreon.com forward slash sorceress, or you can make a one-time donation by visiting paypal.me forward slash Any support, no matter how small, is greatly appreciated, and it'll help us keep on keeping on. So until next time, when things go bump in the night, remember to bump back.